Welcome to Beef and Forage Roundup with host Chantal McRae. This podcast is a production of Manitoba Beef and Forage Initiatives, created to share information with farmers, producers, and agriculture enthusiasts to showcase the important work that is happening at MBFI. Our podcasts drop on the first and third Wednesday each month. We will be sharing information through interviews with General Manager Mary Jane Orr, project leads for various projects, MBFI team members, speakers from our extension events, industry leaders, and industry suppliers. This podcast will dig deep into on-farm research and field testing practices related to beef cattle and forage production and efficiency and sustainability of practice in the agricultural industry in Manitoba. We will be sharing information on upcoming training and workshops, field and farm demonstration tours, education materials and events at MBFI, as well as producer profiles from around the province, and information on their own trials, challenges, innovation, and results. We encourage you to browse our social media accounts and website for links to more information on projects, upcoming events, and important deadlines. Information on our social accounts and website can be found following the show and in the show notes. As always, we encourage you to email us if you have feedback, questions, or topic suggestions for the show at information at mbfi.ca. Charlotte Crawley was raised on a mixed farming operation in Clan William, Manitoba. She received her Bachelor of Science in Animal Systems from the University of Manitoba in 2003 and headed to Alberta where she worked as a meat inspector at the cargo plant in High River, followed by a two-year position at Ballow Feeders Feedlot. Charlotte returned to the family farm in 2005 where she farmed full-time for eight years with her parents, farming 2,500 acres including forages, backgrounders, and cow-calf. Her parents retired from grain farming in 2014, and Charlotte continued to farm three-quarters of pasture land and maintained a herd of 65 cow-calf pairs. Her family was awarded the Heritage Farm Award in 2022, recognizing that the farm has remained in the same family for 125 years. This is Charlotte's greatest accomplishment. With her parents' retirement in 2014, Charlotte sought off-farm employment to help supplement her cattle addiction. She was fortunate enough to land a position as the farm manager for the inaugural season at MBFI. In this position, she happened to hear of an upcoming opening with Ducks Unlimited Canada, where they were looking for someone to establish forage on newly purchased lands and to work with farmers to establish forages on their own lands. Charlotte believes that sometimes the best things in life happen when you don't expect them, and she jumped at the opportunity to join the DU team. Today, Charlotte oversees the Ducks Unlimited Canada Forage and Marginal Areas programs, manages all forage restoration field activities on purchased lands, and assists with grazing management on DU's existing properties. Cattle farmers are conventionalists at their core, and Charlotte feels so fortunate that she can work for ducks during the day and moonlight as a cattle farmer. Charlotte and her cows recently moved to Rapid City, where she lives and works on her boyfriend's cattle operation, and they run a hay and straw business backgrounder operation, grass yearlings, and somewhere in the neighborhood of a 650-head cow-calf operation. Welcome to the podcast today, Charlotte. Thank you so much for taking time to meet with me today. Yes, thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. Before we dig into Ducks Unlimited Canada, can you tell me a little bit about your history and background and your journey to your position with ducks? Yes, you bet. I was born and raised on a farm north of Clamalia, Manitoba. And I received my degree in animal science from the U of M in 2003. From there, I headed to Alberta 
And I spent a couple of years working in the beef industry before returning home in 2005 to the family farm uh, to farm full time. And in 2014, my parents were looking to retire from grain farming. And given that I'm a cattle farmer at heart, not a grain farmer, I continued to manage three quarters in a small herd of cow-calf pairs and sought work off the farm, landing a job as a farm laborer for MBFI in its first year. I actually ended up working with DU entirely by accident. A chance encounter in 2014 while working at MBFI, where some DU staff mentioned an upcoming job posting, led me to my current position. So today I work with producers to restore forage on their own farms, oversee all of our grazing agreements on our own lands, and manage grassland restoration on anything that we purchase. I didn't realize that you had worked for MBFI before. Yeah, it was kind of when they were first just getting going. So before it is what it is now, um, I was sort of boots on the ground to get things started as far as, you know, getting the fencing patched up, getting it ready for cows, running the first herd of cows. So I guess I was the inaugural land manager of MBFI back in 2014. Awesome. In episode eight, we chatted with Michael Teeley about the Ducks Unlimited Canada Grazing Clubs. And today we're going to focus on some of the other programs that Ducks offers in both Manitoba and Canada. Before we jump into that, I do have some questions in general for you about Ducks. I didn't realize prior to doing research for the episode that Ducks Unlimited Canada had actually started right here in Manitoba. What is the history and evolution of Ducks Unlimited Canada and Manitoba? Well, we are an ever-evolving company, that's for sure. It was started in 1938 by a group of American bird enthusiasts that recognized the devastating impacts that the drought of the dirty 30s was having on waterfowl populations, and they wanted to do something about it. So during this time, large areas of wetlands and marshes were being drained in an attempt to annually crop these areas as a means of survival in such tough conditions in the ag community. Waterfowl are an international resource in the sense that they breed in Canada and winter in the States. So the group coordinated their efforts to get funding up to the prairies to assist with wetland restoration efforts as a means to provide habitat for waterfowl. Since its original project in 1938, which was Big Grass Marsh, DU has been working with local landowners to restore habitat on the Canadian prairies. Protecting and restoring large marsh complexes was the primary focus of DU for a number of years, but the company soon realized that they were not making the biggest impact possible for waterfowl populations as they were missing one major component, grasslands. More than 70% of grasslands have been lost in Canada and a large proportion of duck species require uplands for nesting. As a result, starting in the late 80s, DU expanded their scope to include grassland restoration and conservation to assist with grassland nesting waterfowl, which leads us to where we are today. Our focus, as I mentioned, is ever-evolving, casting a wider net to include the importance of such things as biodiversity, native grasses, and carbon. We continue to work with our producer partners to restore, retain, and enhance grasslands to better enhance the needs of their farming operations while still optimizing waterfowl habitat. So there's been a few changes over the years, kind of based on the needs of both the animals and the environment in which they require to survive. What is Ducks Unlimited Canada's mission and vision? Our mission and vision speak directly to waterfowl and habitat. So our mission is to conserve, restore, and manage wetlands and associated habitats for the benefit of North America's waterfowl. And these habitats also benefit other wildlife and people. And our vision is clean water and healthy wetlands for all waterfowl, wildlife, and people. What are the different divisions of Ducks Unlimited Canada, and how are they working to achieve this? We have a number of different divisions at Ducks Unlimited. 
it was quite the list when I was compiling this actually. My department specifically manages anything to do with uplands. So anything ag related, which can include cultivated acres or acres that are already in forage or somewhere in the process of conversion. So our upland team manages all aspects of restoration of cultivated acres to perennial cover on anything that we purchase, as well as working with private landowners on their own lands to restore forage on private property. We have a wetland department and they work closely with the engineering team to inspect and manage existing wetland projects within the province. They manage anything from beaver issues on existing structures, ensuring structural integrity of existing structures, work with landowners to manage these areas, and conduct any repairs on older wetland projects that are in need of maintenance. We have a securement department that delivers conservation easements, whereby lands are signed in perpetuity and agreements are flexible to cover anything from no break, no drain, which means habitat remains intact, or what we call occasionally cultivated wetlands, where landowners are able to cultivate through those areas in years where it's dry enough to do so. It also includes anything of restoration, related or conservation of grassland areas or wetland areas. IWAR is our research department and they study anything on the landscape from carbon to nesting habitat of waterfowl to water quality issues and uses that info to help develop programming and policy to directly benefit waterfowl production. We have a policy department that works with the government to drive conservation efforts provincially and nationally. And we have Native Plant Solutions, which is the for-profit division of Ducks Unlimited. Uh, they work to restore areas that have been disturbed by construction, mining, or other means, and they are a private contractor. They've constructed a number of stormwater retention ponds and converted concrete lake construction areas back to native grasses in urban areas of Winnipeg. So as someone who deals with forage establishment and knows the nuances and challenges of doing that, it's so interesting and impressive what they're able to accomplish with challenging conditions that they're establishing in. So we have a number of different streams and we all work together to try to drive that landscape change across the Canadian prairies. It sounds like there's a lot more divisions than I was actually expecting. Yeah, it's a pretty extensive organization, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. And so there's Ducks Unlimited Canada and there's Ducks Unlimited Manitoba. Are there provincial Ducks Unlimited organizations in every province in Canada? Yes, each province is run separately from each other. In the prairies, we do have similar landowner programming throughout as we're dealing with the same types of landscape. So we have the similar type of programming. And then in places like BC, they have different forms of landowner programming to kind of target the waterfowl that are using those areas. So where we're focusing our efforts in the prairies is primarily based on nesting sites for spring, because that's where the majority of the waterfowl nest. And then in BC, it's sort of a staging ground when they're planning to fly north to their coastal locations, and they have programming geared more towards that. Very cool. I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. The Guardians of the Grassland film highlights the positive role of beef cattle production in habitat conservation. What does this look like in your day-to-day work? So the Guardians of the Grassland film does a really good job of highlighting the positive role of beef cattle production. Uh, because ducks and cows need the same two resources for survival, grass and water. My day-to-day work deals with exactly that. Anything I do on a day-to-day basis has to do with forage restoration or forage management in the form of grazing or hay management or ongoing pasture management. I think one misconception that exists out there is that 
beef cattle can be so detrimental to the environment. And I think what a lot of folks perhaps don't realize is that a lot of the areas that cattle are grazing or that are set aside for cattle grazing are areas that are not as suited for grain production. And in reality, not every acre is suited for grain production. So cattle are a benefit to both habitat conservation and preservation of biodiversity. Because if these areas were ripped up in order to grain farm, you know, you've lost all the plant diversity. You've potentially ripped up some very sensitive lands that should never have been broken. And so there is a place for beef cattle in the Canadian prairies and in agriculture because they are working to preserve those areas as a prevention for conversion. That's a really good point. And I think that often people overlook that idea that where cattle run isn't necessarily acres that are being taken away from grainland. They're often acres that aren't suitable for grainland or they would require so much transformation to that landscape in order to be grainland that it would be like such a big change. And I think people just kind of overlook that sometimes. I'm really glad that you brought that up. Yeah, exactly. And I think one comment I always seem to hear is that by putting something down to grass, you're taking it out of agricultural production or by leaving it set aside for cattle management, you know, you're taking it out of ag production. And I think that's a miss because livestock production is also ag production. It's not all about grain production, you know, and this is coming from a cattle producer at heart. So, you know, I do have a passion for grasslands and the cattle industry. So it means a lot for me that I can work for an organization with such a big focus on grassland restoration and conservation. Mm-hmm. Kind of a perfect fit, it sounds like. What are the benefits of habitat conservation? Conservation of all habitat, uh, both wetlands and grasslands, is so important, not just to waterfowl, but grassland nesting birds, many ungulates, amphibians, pollinators, and many other insects. Preservation of biodiversity is critical to the survival of so many species, and restoration efforts at the landscape scale directly impact habitat for all of these animals. By leaving some of these areas intact, that is a home for many of those pollinators. And I think something like 1,200 different plants require pollination as a food source. And without these natural areas as habitat for pollinator species, it directly impacts the human food chain. So it impacts crop production in the form that, you know, by providing a greater pollinator benefit, you're going to improve yields and just the preservation of native plants in those areas. It's so important to leave those areas intact because once they're gone, restoration is important and we can do what we can to restore those areas, but it'll never be the same as it was when it was originally intact as native. You've answered this kind of already, but is Ducks Unlimited Canada solely focused on conserving wetlands? I think that is actually one of the biggest misconceptions about DU. You know, given our long history of wetland restoration and preservation, you know, back from our roots in 1938, that is kind of what people remember us as, which is great. It's great to be recognized for that. But we are so much more than just wetland conservation. We are concerned about conservation of all habitat. That's something that definitely when I think of Ducks Unlimited Canada, my first thought is the wetland conservation just from messaging that I'd heard growing up. So it's interesting to me that there are different areas that are really focusing on different types of land. 
Tell me about the Ducks Unlimited Canada Forage and Marginal Areas Program. What is new for this program in 2023? Well, the premise of the program is that we pay producers to establish forage. Whether it's field scale or fringe areas that aren't productive for annual cropping, we have a program that will help to assist farmers with forage conversion. New for 2023, we do have a proposed increase for payments and pending budget approval, uh, producers can expect to see greater compensation to align with the increase in cost inputs for establishing forage crops. In partnership with MBFI, we'll also be hosting forage agronomy seminars prior to seeding season for anyone that might be interested in honing in their forage establishment skills to improve the productivity of their stand and improve their chances of successful establishment. Both programs still see the same features as previously, where participants have the option of prorated agreements if they wish to buy out early, no restrictions on use of the forage so they can graze or hay without restriction, and there's a rotation option written into the forage program, so the field scale planting, that helps to ensure those stands remain productive for the term of the contract, which is 10 years. And how would you say this program benefits producers and landowners? Well, it's not just financial benefits. So obviously that's a huge one. You know, we want to do what we can to help guys remain profitable and help their economic situation on their farm as much as we possibly can. But in the drought of 2021, MASC, so crop insurance, reported that it was their highest year on record for forage establishment payouts, which makes sense given the extreme drought we were in. However, with DU forage program participants, they saw 97% success rate with their forage establishments. So DU staff are here to help provide agronomic advice, as well as payment to producers to help ensure they have the best chance of success. And we can assist them with anything from seeding recommendations, including seed mix formulations, fertility recommendations, and subsequent stand management, including grazing tips moving forward. Under our marginal areas program, we also have the option available if a producer wants. They can get a custom seed mix from us. And a lot of guys really like that option just because it improves their chance of success in trying to get something established in saline areas, which can be pretty difficult. So we do have a group of four certified agrologists on staff that are here at any time to help provide information to producers. And I think that's probably the biggest benefit to the program. The financial is almost a bonus because if you can improve the chance of success of a forage establishment, I think as a producer, as any farmer knows, That's a pretty difficult task, even when the stars all align. So anything you can do to improve your chances is a step well taken for sure. And is there a minimum number of acres if there's a landowner or producer that's wanting to get in on this program? There is no acre requirement uh, for entering into the program. We do try to shoot for a 30 acre field for the forage program, but we're willing to work with guys if they have smaller fields than that as well. And for the marginal areas program specifically, it's pretty typical that guys are looking at seeding five acre patches here and there across either one quarter or multiple quarters of land. So I think last year, our average number of acres per producer was about 25 acres. And some of that could have been spread over five quarter sections. I think one of the biggest things about the program is that it is very flexible And if you're looking at doing any kind of forage establishment on your farm, we'll find a way to get you funding. And you've mentioned the payment piece a couple of times. Is the payout per acre done in a one-time payment or is this an annual payment? And what is the per acre amount? So we do a one-time payment and we do it as a lump sum 
after we verify that the forage has been established. So we typically go out in the fall and do an inspection after guys take their green feed off and just make sure that you meet minimum plant count. And after that time, we go out and sign contracts. We do try to wait until after harvest season and fall sorting uh, for weaning, just because we don't want to be, you know, in guys' way when they have other things they need to be doing. So we're out, you know, hitting the ground running here right now, signing up contracts as hard as we can and getting guys signed up for the program. Our payments this year for 2022, our payments were $65 an acre for forage program and marginal areas program was $150 an acre. We have increased those amounts for 2023, but given that we're kind of pending budget approval, we don't know yet if that'll be approved. So we do have in the budget $125 an acre for the forage program and $200 an acre for the marginal areas program. With your new budget year, this will be announced kind of early in the spring. Would that be right? Yes. Yeah. So our year end is March 31st. So starting April 1st, that'll be the next rollout for the following season. So any payment approval that gets made will happen starting April 1st. Sex Unlimited programming is focused on scientifically proven beneficial management practices. How do the Ducks Unlimited Canada agronomists like yourself support successful restoration across the landscape? So I kind of mentioned before that we have a scientific division, a research division called IWAR. So they do landscape research on practices that impact waterfowl production. So anything from riparian management to grazing management strategies to ground cover through winter cereals. All of these things have been scientifically researched through our organization, and we use that information to develop our programming to directly impact waterfowl benefit while complementing agricultural practices in Manitoba. Uh, So as an agronomist, we use best management practices when it comes to agronomy to help promote the best establishment of forages and the best grazing management to optimize production or enhance grassland stands. The biggest thing we're trying to do is we're trying to impact landscape scale change while helping the producers to remain economically viable and profitable. One more thing I'd add to that, Chantal, is that uh, from a landowner perspective, anything they can do to grow more grass or improve their bottom line is going to keep them on the landscape longer. And from a duck perspective, more grass equals more ducks. So it's a win-win for both sides by promoting the best management practices in the areas of agronomy and delivering programming that directly impacts waterfall. Are there resources available on the website for producers who are looking for information on the best management practices that you're talking about? I don't think we have anything listed on the website as far as BMPs go, but we do have documents in-house for anyone that calls in about our forage program on some tips that you can use to improve your chances of success when establishing forages. We also have grazing management tips and documents that we can provide if they reach out to us and it'll help to give suggestions on water management, water infrastructure, fencing tips, rotation management, anything specific to grassland production. So as far as I know, there's nothing online, but we have a ton of material in-house if anyone wants to reach out to any of our agrologists and we can help link you up with any info you might be looking for. Perfect. And we are going to talk about a bit of contact information in a little bit. 
So if there's people that are looking for those resources, they can maybe find that contact information in a few minutes. What is the winter wheat incentive program and what benefits does growing winter wheat have in regards to Ducks Unlimited Canada? So DU's focus on winter wheat is due to its benefits for nesting habitat for waterfowl. If you can imagine in the spring when waterfowl are flying over, winter wheat greens up nearly three weeks before spring wheat or any other spring seeded crop. So when they're flying over looking for nesting sites, green cover looks a lot more attractive than areas that are in cultivation that currently have no cover at all for nesting birds. Further to that, 80 to 90% of nests are destroyed by predators. So with no cover, nests are at very, very high risk for predation loss. And research shows that winter wheat is 24 times more productive for waterfowl nesting, just given that they have more places to hide their nests. So it increases their chance of success. Because of the benefits to waterfowl, we want to support producers looking to plant winter wheat. So we use a three-pronged approach where we focus efforts on variety development, agronomics, and producer support. We work with plant breeders to develop better varieties and with diversification centers within the province to help develop the best agronomic practices for growing the crop. And then we provide incentive programs to assist producers with the costs of establishing the crop. So something interesting about the program in 2021 is that producers working with our agronomists actually saw 20 bushels more per acre than the provincial average. So we want producers to be successful because if they are, they're going to be more likely to seed the crop again, which directly impacts nesting waterfowl. And as far as the incentive goes, this year we're offering $20 an acre incentive to producers that want to seed the crop. And they get one-on-one agronomic advice to go along with that. Plus, we've partnered with Western Ag to assist with fertility recommendations because fertility is the key to success. And then we also partner with FarmLink so that it helps the producers with some marketing assistance when they go to market their crop because it can be difficult to market in the end. So we want to cover all the bases and make sure our partners are successful in every aspect of growing the crop. Spaces typically fill up pretty fast for the program. So anyone thinking of planting winter wheat in 2023 should contact us to get on the list as soon as they possibly can. Listeners who are hearing this that planted winter wheat this past fall, are there still opportunities for them to be part of this program for next year? Or is this something that you have to have that conversation before you plant it? I believe that we are full for the 2022 planting season. Um, You could always reach out to us. I don't deliver that program personally, so I am just kind of going by memory. Um, But yeah, if anyone did plant any and wasn't involved in the program, give us a shout. The worst that's going to happen is we're going to say we're full. And then for next year, you know, you could get some info that might help you make your planting decisions for next year. It's best to just contact one of our agrologists and we can figure out what the best fit is for you. If we can get you in for last year, we will. And if not, we'll get you on the list for 2023. Sounds good. And that then would be an annual program. Yeah, you betcha. What areas of the province are targeted in this specific program and why? So for all of our programming, we focus our program delivery on the Prairie Pothole region of Southwest Manitoba. And the reason for that is because the highest populations of waterfowl are located in those areas of the province with higher wetland densities. So essentially much of the area from Cartwright all the way to the Northwest to Minnedosa and then further up to Erickson all the way to the park and then straight west to the Saskatchewan border is sort of the general area that we deliver in. So if guys wanna know, If they fall within one of our areas or they're thinking of planting winter wheat or forage or interested in conservation easements, 
the best thing they can do is just give us a shout and provide us their legal descriptions. And we can look that up for them and let them know if they fall within one of our catchment areas. And if there's producers who don't live within those areas, but they are wanting to get involved in some of the Ducks Unlimited Canada initiatives, how could they go about doing that? So to receive funding for the most part, you need to fall within one of our target areas, but you do not have to live or have land in a DU target area to get involved with DU conservation. We have a very active fundraising division that operates throughout the province, including areas like the Paw, Toulon and Winnipeg, just to name a few, as well as many other small towns that are located within our Prairie Pothole region of Southwest Manitoba. So we're very grateful to all of our volunteers. And if you're looking to be involved in conservation efforts in the province, reach out to us and we can put you in touch with someone that can link you to one of the local committees. And there's other ways to get involved in conservation aside from partaking in programming. What other programs or projects do you have underway for the 2023 year that we haven't already talked about? Well, aside from the ones we have talked about, the forage, marginal areas, and winter wheat funding, we do have our conservation easement program. We have a 10-year wetland restoration program. And we do have a relatively new rangeland program where we assist producers with pasture infrastructure costs to help enhance and improve their grassland production. We're also working on a pilot program for 2023, again, pending budget approval, which will pay producers an incentive to sod seed legumes into existing pastures to improve the productivity of those stands. And then also DU grazing clubs. I should have mentioned that for guys that fall outside of our catchment area, DU grazing clubs are open to anyone that might want to take part. You can be industry, you can be a producer, you can be anyone that's interested in grassland management. And we typically hold somewhere between 18 to 20 events in a season. And we visit local Manitoba farms to see some of the innovative practices that guys are using. And for those participants that are attending to hopefully take home some new practices to their own farm that they can implement to try to improve management on their own pastures. Do you know off the top of your head, I don't think we talked about this when I was chatting with Michael, but how many different grazing clubs there are in Manitoba? It used to be sort of set up so that there was little hubs kind of throughout. And, you know, there would have been one for Woodworth as an example, that is a standalone grazing club, but it's just sort of a general term that we use. There's no membership fee and there's no requirement or forms or anything to be filled out. It's if you want to participate, you just get on the email list and you're part of our Manitoba club. So it's provincial wide, open to anyone. If you're from out of province, you're also welcome to attend. Perfect. And I skipped over a question. What programs are there that are available to youth and how can youth get involved? We have a couple of really interesting options for young people that are looking to find out more about Ducks Unlimited in general, or to participate in conservation efforts. So DU's Youth Advisory Council is a group of young people that participate in focus groups, receiving leadership and training by meeting experts in the field and advancing their knowledge of wetland science and conservation. Members of the council actively shape DU's conservation efforts by providing input to the organization on what they learn and provide recommendations on conservation and engagement strategies that are important to youth and outreach strategies. Wetland Centers of Excellence engage and empower young people in meaningful nature-based experiences. They consist of national network of schools and community partners where students lead wetland projects, provide peer-to-peer mentorship, and do community outreach. 
Through those projects, students learn the importance of teamwork and mentorship by working with leaders in the area of wetland conservation and science. Within Manitoba, I think also regionally, we typically hire at least one summer student every year in the Manitoba field office. That person is required to do anything from seeding to spraying to, you know, any field tasks that we may have specific to grassland management. So it's a really cool summer opportunity for anyone that wants to get involved in conservation. And if there's any farm kids out there, you know, with equipment operating experience looking to try a career in conservation, I would strongly encourage them to look at DU as an option. It's a really, really interesting job opportunity for someone that wants to link agriculture and conservation. Sounds like it would be a really neat opportunity. For people who are maybe interested in that summer job, do you know what the ages are off the top of your head as to what those summer students can be? I think as long as they have a class five driver's license and are returning back to school, that I believe is the requirement within our office. So you could be just graduating high school and looking at going to university, and that would be the perfect fit for what we are looking for. Is there anything else that you would like to share before we wrap up today? I think the only thing I would add is that people may not understand the breadth and scope of what we do. As I mentioned before, you know, we're not just wetlands. We focus on anything conservation related and have a focus on anything from grasslands to wetlands to biodiversity preservation to carbon and anything in between. We wouldn't be able to do what we do without the funding and partnerships that we have. And we are grateful for those opportunities. And I think that folks may not realize how many partners are involved in our conservation efforts throughout the prairies. Organizations such as the North American Wetlands Conservation Act, Conservation Trust, Manitoba Beef and Forage Initiatives, Nutrient Ag Solutions, Cargill, McDonald's, the Williston Basin, Dairy Farmers of Canada, the Weston Foundation, and other partnerships from the past, including Bayer, John Deere, and North Star Seeds, have been so crucial to program delivery and making that landscape scale change. And we are so grateful for every partnership opportunity that we get. We would never be able to do any of this either if we didn't have such great landowner partners to partner with. Habitat is in Agro-Manitoba. And without willing farmer participants, we would never be able to reach our conservation goals throughout the prairies. So we are so grateful to all the farmers we work with. And thank you for your efforts. We've alluded a few times to being able to contact people if listeners are wanting some more information. So a couple of questions. The first one would be if producers want more information about ducks or the programs that we talked about today, where can they go to find more? Yeah, absolutely. There's a number of different ways that they can reach us. So our office, our Brandon field office is located at the Riverbank Discovery Center in Brandon. And so the public is free to come and visit us anytime they like and talk about conservation or programming or whatever they like. And anyone looking for more information on any programming can reach out to our admin staff and they can put them in touch with the right department. So the office number in Brandon is 204-285-9779, or they can email our general mailbox at du underscore Brandon at ducks.ca for more information. And I'll add both that phone number and the email address into the show notes. 
And what is the website where people would go if they're wanting to search for you guys online? There's a couple of different websites folks can try. So if it's general information on, you know, what the company's up to, uh, job postings, things like that, you can go to www.ducks.ca. And if you're looking for program specific information, you can go on to ag, that's ag.ducks.ca. And that has a listing of all of the programming available within each province for anyone that is interested. Wonderful. And if producers are wanting to get in contact with you to find out more information from you, how can they do that? I can be reached either via email at C underscore Crawley, that's C-R-A-W-L-E-Y at ducks.ca, or you can call or text me at 204-868-5599. Always happy to talk to any farmer that wants to talk about farming. (laughs) Great. And I'll put both of those in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for joining me today. I think we have lots of really great information to share with our producers that can offer lots of support and information and resources to people if they're looking to get involved in some of those ducks programs. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, don't leave money on the table. If you guys are thinking of doing something on your farms, give us a shout. We'll do what we can to get you some funding. The research programs and daily operations at MBFI would not be possible without funding from the province of Manitoba, Government of Canada, and Canadian Agricultural Partnership, as well as partnership with Manitoba Agriculture, Manitoba Beef Producers, Ducks Unlimited Canada, and the Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beef and Forage Roundup. For more information on the on-farm projects or upcoming extension events, please visit us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at MB Beef and Forage. For full project reports and more information about MBFI, please visit our website, mbfi.ca. If you have feedback on the show, questions about content, are interested in becoming a project supporter, or want to submit a proposal for a research project topic, please email information at mbfi.ca. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to ensure you don't miss an upcoming episode. We've got lots to share.